Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, fantastic to be here, as per usual. I, um, I need a new line. If I, wasn't quite <laughs> if I wasn't quite sure that Finn was your son, uh, I am now. You've spent the last uh, week and a half in Apollo Bay. Timed it beautifully to, to coincide with the uh, heaviest rainfall the yep. region's ever experienced. Just a small monsoon. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I bring up your son, Finn, is because he nearly decapitated himself. Was he falling off a table or...? No, we were in the... We just got to Apollo Bay and I uh, said to Kari, we'll go down and get some... Uh, go down to the pub for a meal for dinner. So we were just about to leave and he... <laughs> He's quite on his feet, let's put it that way, and he doesn't do anything slow. And as he went to those three steps out of the Big Four Caravan Park, we'll stay. And if you haven't stayed at the Polar Bay Big Four, and this is not a sponsor or anything, it's a cracking caravan park we love it. for kids. It's fantastic, and all Big Fours are, to be honest with you, but it's a fantastic caravan park. And as he's gone to step down, it's really good because there's a gate to stop kids from getting out, but I opened the gate, and I don't think he saw me open the gate, and he went to reach back to grab the gate that wasn't there. And I had I had a can of jambo in my hand, as a, as a, as a father does. As a great... <laughs> <laughs> I had his... Did you not spill a drop as you were trying to... To grab him, like so. How I had, <laughs> I'll get to that. I had, you know, when you and I went to Cairns a few years ago, we bought those big GT poppers. I think they're about one hundred and twenty bucks. I reckon I paid for them. Well, have, that's now a have, kid's toy. Have we used them at all? Never used them. <laughs> Finn's literally <laughs> plays with this toy, this fish he's got, and he calls it ish ish, and he runs around. And he had, I he, I took that out of his hands when he walked down, and I had my car keys uh, to open the car to put him in, as well as a couple other things. So I was. What? And my phone. I was actually on FaceTime to Robbie. <laughs> this is the worst part about it. And the poor kid. Sorry, is can I can I pull you up? Go on. You're on FaceTime tour, mate. Yep. You've got a can of jammo in your hand, and your son. <laughs> your son's about to crash land. So Kari was pretty annoyed at me, you know. And he he went from the top story, and as I went to grab him, I dropped everything. But somehow didn't drop the jammo can. <laughs> I dropped my phone, everything. Robbie will be a witness to that. And uh, anyway, he landed on his head and he's scalped himself on his forehead. And I reckon he, he's got no brains because he literally cried for 30 seconds and just goes, ish, and all he wanted was his little fish, well, the popper that we had. <laughs> well, that to me confirms that he is a hapgood because he's, he's got no chance. quite injury prone. Um, I, I like the fact that you've brought up the $120 popper that we brought because it's something that we wanted to talk about this morning, things that you have purchased throughout your fishing journey, and we are all um, 
we all have a, a role to play with this. We're all guilty of purchasing things that we see on the internet, that we see on Facebook, that we go, oh, that'll be brilliant. I cannot yep. wait to get that because I'm going to use it all the time. <laughs> and then we never do. Uh, one thing that I am very good at is not buying fishing gear. I'll tell you what, I, I have the least amount of fishing gear out of everyone I know, all my mates, and I fish the most. That's because all you use is a what is, is a wine hook, a wine <laughs> and a couple of squid jigs. Oh crap! Oh, you, I seriously, you I, beat me to it. I don't. I don't have a lot of gear. I'm trying to think. There's a lot of other stuff that I don't need. Like I went out and bought that wood fire pizza the other day. But I've been using that. How what many you, times have you used your wood fire pizza? That you oh, bought? I reckon ten times, and I've had it for probably ten weeks. Or I'd be using it once a week at least. Well, I actually think that's a that, that's pretty good investment. Good. Yeah, it's a because I, I when when uh, Universal remotes first came out, <laughs> yeah, I bought I time. bought one with a, sc- a screen. Yep, I couldn't work out the user guide on how to get it working, and probably because I didn't read the user guide because who who needs a manual? Let's be honest. That was six hundred dollars. That was a waste. <laughs> I, I I think I I can I remember Dad buying those when I was young. <laughs> I, I tend to be guilty of sometimes all the gear and no idea. Probably a good example of that is the the wonderful, wonderful game fishing reels that I have. That <laughs> I, 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 that, that I, I have me. like I have four or five of them. I don't even have six of them. Um, had they're all they all look like they have been dragged through the ocean depths. No, it only looks two like of, two of them have, are in trouble. <laughs> it's safe to I say. have never used them. You used them once with me out of Apollo Bay. We didn't catch anything. Actually, we've you used them of- twice. We've gone once out of Apollo Bay. And we've gone once out of Portland. <laughs> Uh, and I have not seen them again. And you won't because I actually, the two of them, the two Tiagras, the 30 and a 50 that were yours, that are now mine, they are, I can't give them back to you the way they look, so I have to buy you two new ones. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get you. The other ones, I haven't used the other ones too Ta- much. Talica? Uh, no, not, no, I wish you, you wish it was a Talica. You had a Finnor. No, there's a Talica as well there, somewhere. A Talica, you reckon? No, you've got a Finnor and you've got a Penn International. No, you had big had. that big overhead. There's a big Talica. I can't find it. I'm assuming it's no, at your I house. Talica. I wish I wish I had your Talica because you won't be getting that back. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, they're good reels. <laughs> <laughs> they, they catch. They've caught a lot. Of, they've caught more fish with me than you anyway. Then what would, are they going to do? Collect dust in the shed? You might as well use them. That wouldn't be too hard. Hey, now we do like our, our fishing news and one of and, and boating and, and outdoors. But one of the big News items at the moment is Rivian, which is a startup electric car company, and what they have is a um, is a pickup in the states at the moment, and and they lost a billion dollars last year as a company. Not much money, but all the reviews coming out of the states at the moment are that this new pickup is a game changer. So pickup in Australian terms is a Ute. I really like the fact that about this Ute that uh, you tagged me in it as we started this segment, so I got no idea about the Ute. So you got to leave this one up to you, but it looks good. Not only does it look good, there's four electric motors in it, and so you, you know how a lot of a lot of cars there is like twenty different settings. You've got hill descent, yeah, etc., yeah, etc. Yep, et yep. That, that doesn't exist on the river. You can just drive it, and it's so ch- intuitive. Do you have to charge a battery every twenty minutes. No, they say it's about 500 miles. But why I'm bringing it up is because Moto Trend, which is a really big sort of 
car coverer in terms of a car media group that that reviews uh, vehicles in the state mm-hmm. have praised it, and it's it's going to be a really interesting watch this space as to whether we will see it in Australia. Clearly, we're not going to see uh, Elon Musk's uh, Tesla for a while. We keep hearing that Ford aren't going to bring out their 150s. Well, we certainly haven't seen them in, in the petrol and diesel diesel versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're not going to see um, the Ford Lightning, which is effectively their 150 version of the of the electric pickup, which is such a shame because the Australian market now, and you always talk about Rams. Mm, I love them. Absolutely. Fill my head in. <laughs> I reckon we're begging for the next the next top line electric pickup that we're going to see in the States that we will be jealous of here. Now, it's not as big a market as the States, clearly, but there's clearly a market for, for use. We're going to see, I think we'll see in the next month, Ford will take over Hilux for the first time in almost 25 years as the number one selling mm. ute in the Ranger. So there's a huge interest in it. I would love to see the the top end electrified and the top end, you know, F-150s, the Raptors here in Australia without having to have the conversion kits that cost you 150 grand to get them over here. It's just going to be interesting to see if they can do what petrol and diesel do. That's what I'm more... I know you're saying the reviews are good, everything like that, but it's just... You know who you so, sound? It's just... Scomo? You Scomo, <laughs> he's not going to let this into the country anyway. It's not going to tow your boat. I it's don't know not going to tow your caravan. Well, Mate, they tow more. You know what these well, tows? Yes, I know, but for 20 minutes. No. <laughs> you need... I can't get... Oh, well, hold on, boys. Sorry, mate. We're just going to have another beer stop here because we've got to charge the battery. For 24 hours. I'm not... Uh, yeah. <laughs> But that actually is starting a really, really selling point for me. But it's a... No, say 500-mile range, huge range. But that's not towing. 800. Well, no, that's a good point. That's what I'm saying. So you'll need you'll need a greater battery. So you go from setup. four batteries to 28 in the car. Well, that's clearly going to be a sticking point. But if they can get that part <laughs> right... Can you, plug, can you plug your car into its own 12-volt <laughs> charge and charge it while you're driving? That could be a game-changer. All right. I was like, we, actually, I want to mention one more thing that's coming into Australia, or has just arrived in Australia, I should say. Oh, yes. Is the new 600 horsepower Mercury. It's here. It's arrived. I don't know where, but it has arrived. It is massive as and well. And I know that uh, Andrew from Melbourne Marine Center, the boys there, you and I are going to attend this. It was, it was, It's going to happen in the future regarding the COVID rules and whatnot. Because so we'll, 2025. It could, be in two, it, it could be the 16th model of the 600 horsepower, the way it's going. But Andrew from Melbourne Marine Center is actually going to try and get uh, the engine, uh, engine to his uh, to his marine shop, and you and I are going to do a night out there, which will be good fun. And well, it's supposed to be for Melbourne Marine's launch. It, it was meant to be, which is open now, but clearly the the state <laughs> is still in lockdown. They're going to be in their uh, <laughs> they're going to be in their fourth year for their launch. Geez, I've copped a bit of feedback as well, Aaron, during the week on your boat. No, I, I, I went to the prom, one of the great locations I've decided globally, and unbelievable. You know, only a few hours from Melbourne. It's incredible. But I've got a bit of feedback for posting a family photo going down the prom, enjoying, you know, the serenity. You're allowed to. You can't be doing that. Oh, jeez. And now I understand it's it's a difficult time for those based in Melbourne. But you chose to live there. But if they want, if, if they could do it and we couldn't, I guarantee you they would be doing it too. Are you having go at people in Perth that, whose life has not changed? They've actually, they enjoyed the three-day lockdown. It's like, oh, I don't have to go to work for <laughs> it's three a break. days. This <laughs> is terrific. And then back to, real, back to normality, rather. Um, but the prom, 
My goodness. It, it's so funny you say that because I did a couple of posts about it when I was in Apollo Bay and I copped the exact same messages saying, why are you there? You don't live there, this and that. I'm like, I live in regional Victoria. I'm allowed here. But they were convinced that I wasn't. Yeah, I got copped for going to Mal- Malakuta. And if we, if we, if we re- rewind two and a bit years ago, Malakuta was devastated by huge fires and they just haven't, because of COVID, mm. they, they have not had the tourism, half the shops are up for sale. It, it, yeah. Malakuta... Incredible. We actually have to get beyond the the policing of other people and start to go out to these rural places, show our support, spend our money, because that's the only way that these stop shops will remain open. Otherwise, the next time you go there, there'll be no shops open. There'll be no coffee shops for you to enjoy. The, the local tackle store won't exist because they cannot afford to run. So we have to start going to these rural locations and supporting them again and stop bagging people for sticking to the rules and doing everything that is that is totally allowed. It was actually pretty sickening to see when we were in Apollo, and I, I worked in Apollo Bay for quite a period of time, and coming along back through Lawn also, there was no shops open. Like, yeah, it's it's really disgusting. Tough. Like it's, yep. Torquay is sort of close enough for everyone to get to, and that was yep. packed Torquay when we drove through Torquay. And Apollo Bay is not even two hours from my joint, and so it's not too far, but... It was actually sickening. Like we went to get try and get breakfast, and Kari's like, "There's literally the one cafe open, and everything's yep. shut." And I don't know if they, how long they're going to be shut for. I know there was a lot of windows with nothing in it, which is not good. But there's no tour buses that are traveling up and down at all. So, and that's what they rely on. So, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that we can support them with the fishing side of it because being such a big fishing community here, Victoria, in the country. The, the tuna run out of Apollo Bay and you can get onwards of 150 boats there on a Saturday, Sunday and 20 or 30, 40 during the week that is stopping at the bakery, buying your food before you go out. You go on the IGA, buying your bottle of Jamo, then you go into your fuel station, fueling your big 200-litre tanks up and whatnot. So hopefully we can support, like you said before, Malacuda and everywhere that's around the water, plus everything else, but that's what we can do uh, to help do our bit, I think, Pat. We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way. Up next, we've got the Social Club, but we're going to touch on what is biting right around the country, and Red's going to talk through the snapper season. How far away is it? Gwaine Blake's going to join us today. He's going to talk through uh, how to prepare for it. He thinks it's only a matter of days now as that water continues to warm up. All that and more this morning on Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Let's find out what has been biting right around the country, Redmond. Yeah, it's been a lot happening in a way. I'm actually sitting here a little bit sad to uh, repeat what I'm about to say here, which I said to you at the when I first joined you this morning. And uh, women's been Tasmania right now. We are. And, and a good and friend of the show. We've had him on before, Josh Hammersley. And Josh, we are... Get off social media because you're pissing me off. (laughs) We are incredibly disappointed with you at the moment because you're killing us, mate. You're killing us. We're literally meant to be there, Patrick. We are literally meant to be fishing with Josh and he has landed a big barrel bluefin tuna in October out of Tasmania at an eagle hawk neck. These are monsters, Redmond. Big fish, 109 kilo. I think Josh's one went the other day. We should be there. We should. Dan won't let us. You could ride this thing. Well, I'm, about, I'm about to ride a fish there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You, you could Santa Claus could strap his sled to this, and he would be towed around the world. They are absolute monsters. Uh, and I, I, I'm still going to stick to it. I know it's a Tassie report at the moment. I'm, I'm going to get. I reckon there's some fish here that I could jump on the back and get to Tassie on the back of them. So because <laughs> they're making that way, they're that, themselves that way. So 
Well done to Josh and the crew. Beautiful fish during the week. Good sound of pitches. Josh Hamsley on social media. He does some awesome uh, live. Um, he goes live while he's out there. Service isn't a 10 out of 10. But we work with that when you've got Barrel Bluefin coming on the screen and you see the seals and the dolphins doing their thing. So good on you, Josh and the crew. Beautiful fish during the week. Getting, heading back towards the inland part, fishing in the kayak in the Camden, uh, in the Camden Dam. Quality trout, uh, arbo fishing much better. Yep. So you can once that once that water warms up, that's the key for trout. So it's not about actually getting there and fishing at first light at six a.m. or five thirty. Wait for that water to warm up a little bit, and it's good for you because the bones will warm up a little bit as well. I'm not arguing. And then once you sort of hit anything sort of ten a.m. On, onwards, almost it's fantastic. It's brilliant. Uh, also fishing the Hewan, which something this will have you interested in for sure. Some big sea runners uh, kept anglers busy with baits working really well. Uh, so if you are heading down there, make sure you do keep in mind to push up the river as well because there's yeah. fish getting caught up the river. But if you're interested in doing that, the whole sea runner thing, which I know you would be, it's well and truly worth uh, chasing those. WA Scarborough fishing really well for yellowfin at the moment. Uh, small vibes are doing their best work. Heading over to South Australia, Edithburgh went nuts for some whiting during the week with plenty of squid also to come in amongst the whiting if you set up a nice drift. And you and I seen during the week in a similar area a 68-centimetre King George whiting. It's a monster. Well, it's thing. not really a King George whiting. It's got its own postcode. But We thought it was a kingfish. It is massive. It's 68 centimetres. And I got one during the week that went 45. It <laughs> makes me look stupid. So well, You know when they say, oh, this, this whiting was massive. It was as thick as my forearm. Well, this was this was as thick as the bloke's quad. It was quad. <laughs> it was huge. It's uh, there's some big fish and a uh, good friend of the shows. We like to uh, talk about Paul Worsling. Does a fantastic job. He headed down into Tassie and had a show on his iFish, uh, on his iFish on Channel Ten and cracking big whiting, sixty. But this was nearly seventy. Like yeah. it's even bigger than that. So they're 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 big big fish. Uh, going into you, the, you know the thing is like a fish that size like that's. Majority of time, South Australians will keep those. Like sometimes they're like, oh, it's a little bit small, but we'll just we'll keep. <laughs> we might keep a sixty. We'll, we'll keep a sixty-eight. <laughs> but you know, good for breeding that you throw it back. But yeah, that sort of range in SA. It'd be going you, straight on my wall if I caught a sixty-eight <laughs> centimeter one. Yeah, throw those. It'll replace back. my thirty-two. <laughs> uh, some signs of snapper out of Coogee this week in New South Wales. Squid and mackerel doing their thing. Some rat kingfish have also turned up. We haven't seen them for a bit due to restrictions and whatnot in Sydney. They've played a fair big part of this, but out of uh, Port Hacking and also Byron Bay. And they're just using um, – it's just sort of metal slugs, isn't it? Yeah, like just they're on the surface, so yeah. just casting metals into them. There isn't a lot of legals amongst them. But they're, they're good for, if you can – like the biggest challenge clearly in Sydney at the moment is if you, you get to just three, get three miles offshore and you have to turn around. So – if you want a, a good day out, if you can find them, they're a huge amount of fun for the kids. They are, and also something that is probably not as much fun, but a lot of fun when you're actually eating them, is the flatted. The flatted fishing yeah. has been sensational on the bottom, and I'm actually due to go out there and do a big stock up because uh, Finn crunches flathead. He we bought some when we were in Apollo Bay from the co-op there, and they cooked it up in front like they fresh, so you actually don't have to have the frozen fish. They cook it straight off the boats, and I hadn't had flathead in a while, and geez, he crunches bloody. It's yeah. a... It's a Amazing fish. But also, this is probably the story of the week, is those yellowfin again, out of that sort of southeast of uh, New South Wales, more that sort of Naruma, down to the kink off Burmy even. Big yellowfin. So 30 to 80 kilo again. And a lot of... These days, those yellowfin, a lot of people chasing them with stick baits rather than setting your lure spreads out. Yep. They're using the lure spread to be able to locate them. I and mean, once they sort of locate them, they're changing to stick baits. But there's also a big um, school of... 
bluefin out there, but they're small. They're those eight kilo things that we were speaking about a couple of weeks ago. And mm. a lot of people chasing those were actually losing big yellowfin because the techniques obviously still work Similar. for the yellowfin. Yep. So yep. there's a lot of fish there, and I'm fingers crossed uh, the borders can open soon. I can get amongst these yellowfin because we haven't seen a year quite like it for a long, long time. So yellowfin fishing really, uh, yellowfin tuna fishing really, really well. And just the last one for Queensland, those yellowfin on out of Manly this week on the uh, uh, on the poppers, small poppers. They just sensational fish to catch on there. They pull hard. They're nice and shallow, but. They reckon they taste better than King George Whiting. I've had, I've eaten it. Oh, it's on par. So it's a, it's, it's a good eating fish. And that's what's been biting around the country this week, Pat. Your week in fishing, Redmond? Yeah, a little bit quieter this week because I did take the family away to Apollo Bay, but managed to get out at the end of the week. Uh, managed to get offshore in that nice northerly wind. We got some gummies. Yeah, really nice really gummies. Really nice size gummies. Yeah, so nothing big. I'm, it's funny, I'm fishing marks where I get a lot of big gummies, like real big ones. And I'm just not getting them, but we're getting numbers of. And when I say they're not bad fish, they're still up towards that 12 to 14 kilo, beautiful eating fish, but they're not those big 30s that we can get. So uh, I don't know what's going on there, but it doesn't worry me. As long as that rod's bending over, it's fine. Uh, there's a, thing, a few snapper quarter bar on heads, which is also good to see. Port Phillip Bay is starting to starting to get warmer. I still wouldn't call it snapper season. I'm yep. not doing that until November sort of thing, but it's they're starting to get caught. I managed to get a couple uh, of Clifton Springs at the end of the week as well, which was good. But still tough fishing, aren't they? It's not easy. And this is what I had in my salt guide report during the week. The snapper sends people mad. And don't get me wrong, it's our best time for my business, blah, blah, blah. But I'll be honest, I'm always honest. If you want to go out and catch a snapper, go for it. Now's the perfect time to do it. But the problem is you might get one, you might get none, you might get two. You might get lucky and get 15. But it's hard. It's hard. It's yeah. not going to be one of those... like. In a month's time, I could pretty much go out every day for the next month and a half, two months, and pretty much guarantee you fish every single session. Where in uh, in sort of this time of the year, yeah, I might go out and not catch anything for a period of time. You might sit there for four hours for one fish, which I don't like to fish uh, fish them like that. So it's not quite snapper season, but it's well worth having a look. Big squid, they're starting to show up too. Water's a bit dirty, but we'll talk a little bit about that later. Beautiful work, Redmond. Let's get to the social club. We take your questions from social media each and every week. It's very, very simple. Simply send us a direct message on Facebook, on our Instagram, or link us into our Twitter, and we'll get in contact with you. And if you send through your questions and we ask them on the show, every week we're announcing a real brand winner of a hat and a fishing top as well. So we'll send those out to you. The first question, though, Redmond. Uh, hey guys, how are you? I have. I know you've talked about this before, but I can't find the podcast episode. What is the best fishing net on the market? I've just purchased a new boat, so it's all new to me. Cheers, Michael. First of all, if you do want to listen to any of our shows, Pat, we'll throw it in there. The Real Adventures app is available, or you can head to iTunes on any of your smart devices, and you'll find Real Adventures there with Pat and I talking a lot of rubbish. But it's important to note that when it comes to nets, one size doesn't really fit all, does no, it? It doesn't. We've spoken on the show often about the importance of having a bait net, particularly for those, well, only really for, for those that, that use live bait and have a live bait tank set up. But there's two others clearly that are really important to a day's fishing redmond. Yeah, an Enviro net is obviously environmentally friendly, but it also doesn't work for certain species of fish as well. So now you've got the net that you spoke about. You've got a little live bait net, which you, I like to call them aquarium nets, that you net yep. goldfish and whatnot with. And that's what I like to use in my live bait tank to get my slimy mackerel out, my yakkers and so on. Then I've got a squid net. I don't net squid, but 
I'm just what what I would, you could options you can have is you just get a normal squid net, but it needs to have quite big holes in it so it can run through the water. Yep. You don't want that Enviro net that I'm about to talk about because you can't pull them through the water. Well, so if you can, you're lifting that water a little bit too yeah. close to the boat. Oh, it's <laughs> when they shoot, you're getting smashed. <laughs> it's those Enviro nets. They're about seventy bucks up to 120 depending on the sizes you get but they are really good for snapper so snapper when they come up don't get me wrong they pull hard to the surface but they tend to lie down you can just pop your environnet underneath them then they look after the fish they're soft on the fish and you don't hurt the fish especially if you're going to release them but another good net that is probably your all-rounder as such and hook them do a great range of nets so if you head to the hook website and you'll be able to choose exactly what you want now i run the extra large deep net and they they call them uh Hook, what are they, hook friendly where they don't get caught in your hooks as easy in the actual netting side of things. Well, the net, I'd argue the that. net isn't like a, f- it's not fibrous. Almost, no, so. it's like a yeah, yeah different type of material. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really good. But the, the problem with them is they are big and deep. So if you do net a squid in one of those, you're reaching four metres to try and get the squid out of it, which is, doesn't really work to your advantage. But then you've also got your big gumbo. So those 20 kilo gummies, they work really, really well for them. I use it on my snapper too. I use that to net all my snapper because I don't want too many nets on the boat because I'm only in a six-metre boat. It's not the biggest boat. So there's this sort of range of nets that I would tend to look at to uh, go with the fishing that you do. I think the other thing that's important, if you do uh, intend on getting a net and you don't want to spend a huge amount of money, so you go for a bit of an old cheapo version, when you're actually lifting the fish or the gummy shark or whatever whatever it is, if, if it's of any decent size, you can't actually... You can't, you know, put the arm of the net on the boat and then hoist hoist it over. You've actually got to lift it. Yep. In, Grab the actual in, in a vertical um, direction because yep. otherwise you're just going to bend the bar or you'll bend the actual. Um, Especially those big gummies, like those 20, yep. 30 kilo gummies. You're just going to wreck what you have. So beautiful work, Michael. Uh, the next one's from Carlo. Hi, guys. Love your show. Can you recommend a good quality filleting knife? My long blade fillet knife, I find it too flexy on bigger fish. Is there a better solution or should I persist? Thanks, Carlo from Aspendale. Great. Good on you, Carlo. I like the questions. Very good this morning. It's uh, knives. So these are must to have on the boat. And you and I have reviewed these and tipped them and done everything over the last handful of years. And We've often talked about the fact that your bait knife is not the knife that you should be using to fillet the fish if you want to make the most of the flesh that's on the fish frame. Exactly. And if you want to remove uh, the bones that are in the fish, it can get a bit difficult with your blunt, old, useless bait knife that's fine for chipping in pilchards, but when you're working through barracuda or you're working around flathead tails, they're not going to cut the mustard. No, and another thing I'm going to mention, your bait knife still should be sharp. Not it's the one. It's not the one you clean your fish with, like you said, but it's it's not the one. You need to have it sharp because just for instance, during the week, trying to cut those through some salmon chunks. <laughs> actually, have made them. I snapped a knife in half, but he because it wasn't sharp. You need to get it sharp so you can smoothly get through the fish in itself. Because if you start pushing and prodding, you're going to cut yourself, and the blunt knife will go through your finger quite easily because you're pushing so hard where a sharp knife you just tend to let the knife do the work rather than pushing anyway yeah uh f-dick and i'm not talking about any swear words here either patrick they're a brand of knife any, and no, no profanities they uh, they just work really really well hold their edge really well they're a quality knife now craigo who is a partner of soul god and myself ex-butcher ex-butcher now he 
recommend that butchers use these knives. He re- highly recommends them. Now, for a set of F Dick, you can pick up for about one hundred and sixty nine dollars. And it goes back to his question regarding, uh, I guess, taking bones out and everything like all sorts of different. You need different knives for different things. Now, a barrel bluefin tuna. I use just your normal six or seven inch F Dick knife. It's a small knife. I'm not using a machete to fill it a whole barrel bluefin. <laughs> it's literally just taking the cut. It's, it, there's different techniques for every fish. But where if you get a gummy shark and you need to skin it, you actually need quite a long knife. So it's different. So what I'd do is I'd head in and get a variety of different knives. One that isn't flexy, one that's flexy, because you want a bony knife where you can get in and get those whiting rib cage out nice and easy. But you also want to have a bit of firmness in it because if you're doing a snapper, you want to be able to flick, get those bones out as well. So FDIC do a great range. Jump online. I've just done it in front of me right now. $115 to $169, depending on which styles of knives you go, as well as if you opt for out for a sharpener. And a sharpener is always a good, always a good thing to uh, to invest in because there's nothing worse than having a blunt knife when you're trying to clean fish. Last question is for you, Patrick. Danger. Where is the boat at? You seem to have gone quiet on it. Cheers, Peter. Good on you, Pete. Well, I haven't gone quiet. I posted you're during the week. You're very active during the week. It's gone, uh, it's at Sat Formosa, uh, former sign now. Yep. So the boys there are putting in UDEC. Uh, so, and we've often talked about UDEC uh, on our show before. It, it, it makes fishing. It's so much easier on your body because of the cushioning that it gives on your floor versus a glass floor, a carpeted floor. Um, and it looks Checker plate for it. <laughs> and, and it looks great. So we've gone for a bit of a teak look because the boat is You've silver. gone teak, have you? Yeah. You haven't. Yeah, I want Patrick. a game. Andrew rang me during the week from Melbourne and he goes to me, um, where are you? Because I sort of help with Pat's design of the boat. And he goes, oh, just by chance. He goes, I'm just at the Bimini's and I'm just going to – I dropped it. Might drop the boat off the formal sign. Do you know if you wanted a floor? I said, I don't care if he doesn't want a floor. I said, put it in. If he cracks it, cracks it. I said, I'll pay for it. I said, because he's not having the boat without a floor. And he goes, oh, I better ring him. I said, you can ring him. If you can't get a hold of it, drop it off anyway, because I'm making him get a floor. But I wouldn't have chosen teak. Why not? It sort of looks a bit like what you are, a bit of a the old factor. <laughs> You're no. not in that 60 million super yacht that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> Ooh, that is coming up on the gaff. <laughs> look at Channel 9, Queensland. Nah, it will look good to take. Yeah, take well, look. Wanted something to balance because the whole thing's silver. If we went at silver, um, silver external <laughs> finishes, silver internal finishes, and then the floor. Could have called the boat silver. It, w- it would have been a little bit ridiculous, I reckon. So uh, next week, the boat will be very, very close to, to water testing. So hopefully It's just four week. models out now. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Sorry, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) But true. (laughs) All right, that wraps up the social club. Make sure you're joining the conversation. Just send us a direct message, uh, any sort of question you like on our socials, and we'd love to get in touch with you, or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Well done, Carlo. You are our winner this week for our Real Brand gear. So send us a direct message with your details, and we'll shoot it out to you. Bear in mind that at the moment, Australia Post apparently is eight months behind when it comes to sending Eight months? Well, that's... Putting a bit of mail on it, but there's a, there's, <laughs> a, there's, there's a fair bit happening at the moment. Anyway, I saw something during the week. How would they say they haven't got enough staff? There's that many people without jobs in COVID right now. Put some people on. Seriously. <laughs> there's plenty more real adventures coming up after the break. Gwaine Blake joins us to talk through the upcoming snapper season. Gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. 
Time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Now, he's one of our regular guests, Wayne Blake, professional fishing guide. He's also one of your partners in Salt Guide. They'll teach you how to attack each species that's relevant at the time. Clearly, at the moment, there's been great whiting being caught. There's been plenty of calamari. But, Gwaine, what we're keen to talk about today is the upcoming snapper season that doesn't seem too far away and what anglers need to do in order to get ready for these fish. Yeah, g'day, guys. So, um, basically, the snapper season's already started in Western Port. So, um, guys that are following me would have seen it already caught a 20-pounder. Which I was very lucky with, I suppose. Um, Jeez, he didn't take long to put that in, Aaron. He did not <laughs> take long to drop that. <laughs> so basically, this time of year, the fish are coming in because they know that the water temperature is going to warm up because that daylight's growing. So we've gone past the equinox already, which is probably the thing that I start looking for for snapper fishing, and that's when you've got equal um, sunlight and darkness and we've gone past that now so our daylight's getting longer and longer each day and that's the trigger point I believe to start looking for snapper in Western Port so that's happened and now we're sort of just targeting them up the top of the base so basically you can get them in the top of Port Phillip as well but basically we're looking for all the little tributaries in the top ends of Western Port and the sun sort of heats up the bank so we get these big spring tides and all the banks come out of the water in Western Port and if you've never fished Western Port for the first time it can be quite frightening because you'll go out at high tide and then you come in at low tide and the whole place is totally changed because the banks will come a metre, metre and a half out of water. So they'll heat up in this sun and then the next tide that comes in, that evening run-in tide, the actual mud will heat up that water. So last week we had that three-day spell of some really nice calm weather. The actual water temperature hit 17.4 and then we'll get a blow come through, like you just had the southwest blow come through and that just churns everything up and it's actually dropped back down to 13.7. But in the next coming days, it'll heat up again. While this keeps happening and we get the big spring tide that pulls all that warm water back down the port, it'll actually heat up the port right throughout and we'll get an early season compared to Port Phillip. So we'll be in full swing by the end of October. There'll be snapper getting caught everywhere in um, Western Port and then Port Phillip sort of follows two weeks behind that. Your salt guide report, you were talking about the fact that you were using uh, a calamari ring hung off a 6-0 inline straight uh, octopus circle hook. Talk us through the gear that you're using to target these fish. Is there anything more than just that? Yeah, so I, I actually fish quite light. I don't like a heavy rod. So I'm using a 10 to 25 pound atomic arrow. It's got a very light tip and only 35 pound braid. And, and the idea is these um, early season fish can be quite tentative on the bite. So it'd be between a flat end and a rock cod bite and then the next thing you know the rod just peels over. And that, that lighter tip lets the fish sit there and chew the bait before it, you know, commits to it and, and runs off. Whereas a heavier rod, like the old plank ugly sticks that we used to use back in the day, which were great rods at the time because we used to use mono and mono had the stretch in it. Now it's all back to braid. You want that give in the rod so the fish doesn't feel that that rod. And we also use those flat rod racks that we all seem to use in Victoria, but you go anywhere else and everyone goes back to vertical. And if you if you ever grab a rod and try and hold it up and then 
hold it up like sort of a 90 degree angle and get your mate to pull the drag on it. You, you watch how much that rod bends before it starts taking drag and you can feel the weight on that rod. But if you lay it flat and then get your mate to pull the drag, the rod hardly moves and you don't feel any weight on it. So that's what we're trying to um, do on the water is make it as subtle as possible for these early season fish. Gwaine, a lot of people tend to be scared of tide. Now, Western Port, you spoke a little bit about tide a couple of seconds ago, about whole new day when you come back to the ramp from high to low tide. Take us through the techniques to actually understand the tide for when you're targeting, say, snapper, because tide is probably the most important thing when it comes to fishing. Yeah, so when we're fishing in these top end areas, basically the fish graze up and down the banks or in the middle of the channel, and they use the tide just to push them back and forth. So you'll find an area in those channels where there's a nice bit of rubble reef, and you know that they like feeding on the rubble reef. It's also good because even during the middle of the day, we get sea lice. And if you drop a camera down in seven metres of water up in the top end, it's totally black. They can't see a thing down there. So sitting on top of these rubble reefs, you'll find that you'll get less sea lice, means your bait's in the water longer. And you just want to make sure your bait's streamlined, it doesn't spin. And we just anchor up on these areas and let the fish sort of come to us. As the season progresses and warms up, the fish come out of these tributaries and they'll sit on the banks of like Long Reef up at Lysarts or down off Observation Point on these bigger reefs and the fish will actually hold there and that's when we sound them up and, and anchor on them and wait for them to start feeding. Tidal, the thing about tide is once you find, and you've experienced this with me, Red, is once we find a patch of fish, they'll bite a whole tide. Whereas in Port Phillip, it's very like top of the bay and stuff. It can all be around tide changes where you just get this hot bite and then nothing happens for the rest of the day. We can have in five metres of water and an evening run in tide later in the year, we, we could get, you know, 35, 40 snapper in, in five metres of water. So they're perfect to release. And this goes back to why we use circle hooks as corner of the jaw hook up and you know, catch your feed and release what you don't need. Now, Port Phillip, there's a lot of different uh, ways to present your baits, but traditionally we'll talk about snailed rigs for your silver whiting, snailed rigs for your pillies, single hook for your, uh, for your squid rings and whatnot. You can't just anchor up in Western Port and throw a snailed pilchard out. It's just not going to work. It's going to spin. It's going to cause – there's different ways to rig it. But let's keep it simple. What are your go-to baits – for Western Port for the next month? Just fresh bait. So chunk baits, either your yakka or what they call scat if you're buying bait, um, salmon chunks and squid rings. That, that's the three that I use. Anything else, you, know, you, you might catch as a bycatch. Even whiting heads can be very good, leftover whiting heads. But, um, yeah, you go to uh, probably yakka and squid are my, my favourite baits. Beautiful work, Wayne Blake, Australian professional fishing guide, saltguide.com.au for more information and to get in contact with Wayne and the services that he offers. Wayne, thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. Thanks, guys. Take care. That was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. It's time for Red's review, and I've got the review this week, and it's pretty simple. I've spent the last couple of weeks Redmond camping, yep. and I've got two brilliant Dometic outdoor chairs. One's the Dometic. Uh, lounge Forenza, I think it's uh, pronounced. And the other one is their new uh, governor armchair. And the whole time it was stolen. Governor armchair. Yeah, it's a cracker. And you do feel like the governor sitting in this thing. Um, 
the whole time it was stolen by other people. I had, we had some family up there as well staying at the the uh, the campsite, and they would steal it because we were opposite. We were literally next to each other on the campsite, and they would steal these chairs during the night and take them for themselves because they had the six dollar special that they'd bought from <laughs> the middle aisle at Aldi, and half of that it, half the half was, was missing yeah. out of it, and they'd stolen mine. And the reason why I really like the the lounge, I'll call it the, the friends, um, is because it reclines, and it's I think it's one thing that we all love to do whilst we're out camping, really anywhere. But you're sitting in front of a fire at night, and you like to rock back on the back two uh, legs of your chair. Everyone does it now in a six dollar uh, Kmart <laughs> special. A lot of the time, these this mightn't surprise you. These won't necessarily agree with the rocking back motion, but the seven backrest positions on the uh, on the forens, and it was extremely well uh, received. The only thing that I've got out of this review is that you get looked after a hell of a lot better from Dominic than I do because I don't have no rocking chair. This was a review, Aaron. I, ha- I had to... I, <laughs> you had this, to test this, it out. Yeah, uh, this, uh, I had to test it. This I is, camped in Apollo Bay too, Dominic. <laughs> this is not about, um, you know, pushing a product that hasn't been tried and tested by my ass. <laughs> this has been. It's a pretty big backside too. For two weeks and it survived me kids as well. <laughs> so if you want more information on the governor... Uh, or on the oh fr- the governor, I'm just <laughs> picturing you sitting in there too with your little uh, <laughs> or on the finish di- this segment, please. Or, I've got to get out of here. Or on the Dometic Lands for Rents, uh, head to dometic.com for more info, and you can purchase from their website as well. That is Red's Review. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. The flying gaff this week, Aaron. It's heading to Channel Nine. Queensland, Gold Coast. Gold Coast, because you said to me during the week, I've got, I've got a story. Because we like to, on Real Adventures, we love to you know, have a bit of fishing news and what's happening around the country and you know, new full drives that are hitting the market, new stabby crafts, you know, new Mercury engines, all those sorts of things. And you're like, oh, the, the biggest super yacht in the world has arrived in the Gold Coast. And you said, oh, 60 million. 60 million. Just pocket change, really. So, Channel are you recording right now? I am recording. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Channel 9 have spent three minutes of their news bulletin talking about how incredible this is for Australian waters. I think we just need to reset ourselves, Channel 9, Gold Coast, because the gaff this week is heading squarely and fairly in your direction. Because if you had any sort of comprehension of the global super yacht market, you'd understand <laughs> that 60 million and 68 metres in length is basically a tender in Europe. How big do they get in Europe? Mate, we're talking 160 metres. <laughs> right. We're, t- we're talking $600 million. I just couldn't believe it. Wait, no wonder at different stages... We are a bit of a laughing stock in Australia because we're getting excited about a $60 million, but 68 metre super yacht. It has a helicopter on the top. They wouldn't <laughs> actually let that boat <laughs> in the waters of Italy. You're not allowed in. They'd be like, nah, sorry, mate. We, you can't come in here. Now, but we're a super yacht. Well, you're not really. You're a pretend you, super yacht. <laughs> you're a tender. Yet in Australia, it is breaking news on Channel 9. So our, our good friends at Channel 9 Gold, Gold Coast, some phenomenal fishing there at the moment, uh, they have 
the flying gaff this week, Redmond. So I think it's a deserved gaff. You listen to Real Adventures. We'll see you next week. It's Ty Power's Bigfooty final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Bigfooty final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.